Look out, something is going to get you tonight. Let's talk about the thing that's going to get you tonight. Welcome to the Happy Harvest Horror Show. <laughs> Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Brian. And this is the Happy Harvest Horror Show, where every week we get together and talk about all our favorite spooky stuff. And we have a very, very, very exciting episode this week because we're joined by uh, artist Sarah Richard. Welcome. How are you? Hey, good. How are you guys? <laughs> Doing so good. So good. Uh, awesome. Sarah Richard, I met you first time at New York Comic Con. Uh, loved your work. Um, a lot of ghost work, and it's a beautiful style. It's very distinctive. Yeah. And then years later, Corey and I were in Salem, Massachusetts, and ran into you again by happenstance. Um, totally and, by happenstance. I wasn't totally by happenstance. Years. Didn't know, you know, like solder out. You know, <laughs> And ever since, we've been huge fans of your art. So this is very exciting that you're joining us today. Oh, thanks so much, guys. This is awesome. But before we talk more about your art and other stuff, I'd love to jump in and do our How Spooky Has Your Week Been? And you're our first guest. So How Spooky, Sarah, Has Your Last Week Been? Oh, man. Uh, it's been pretty mild, spooky-wise. I did get a cool um, coffin plate and that is the biggest one I've ever seen. So I collect Victorian coffin plates. So I got one that was recessed into a coffin at one point, apparently. And I guess that's kind of spooky. I don't find it very spooky. I find it very (laughs) nice, but I guess having a big chunk of a coffin would be spooky for some people. (laughs) To many people, I think. would. (laughs) Yeah, it's hanging out next to my bed. It's very nice (laughs) with my embalming table. (laughs) Embalming table. Love it. Yeah, love it. Yeah, you're on the you're on the on the run across the country. How how spooky has your week been? I am on the run across the country. I literally just ran from the edge of the Grand Canyon to be here and record this podcast. Incredible. Uh, um, But yes, I am. um, I've been on the road for several weeks now, just kind of making my way across the country. And I spent a few weeks in Texas, which was really great. A lot of time in Austin. But um, I guess my number one spooky thing was just a few days ago. Um, I stayed in this little town in Southwest Texas called Marfa. And it's this, it's just this tiny, tiny little uh, rural desert town, but it also has become kind of like an arts haven. Like there's um, a very famous minimalist artist like moved there in the seventies. And so it's kind of, it's like got that rural desert charm, but there's like a lot of art stuff there. But there is also a more than a century, centuries old recorded phenomenon right outside of Marfa called the Marfa Lights. And they're basically these like orbs, these lights like far off in the distance that you can see from just outside of Marfa. Um, And they kind of like sometimes they like move together and then like pull back apart. And there's been a lot of like scientific like like suggestions of what they are, but it's never really been proven. And they've, they were first spotted back in like the 1880s. So like way before, you know, there were cars and things like roaming through the desert and they're just like this continuous phenomenon. They have like a observatory, like outside of the town and you go and you just sit and you like, wait to see if you can see the lights. And we're pretty sure we saw them. I mean, 
Yeah. It's like, it's hard to know for sure because like, like I said, now we have like cars and stuff like in distant highways and you're in the desert. So it's, um, it's possible that you're kind of seeing reflections from far away, but at the same time, these lights have been in the exact same, have been reported in the exact same area ever since the, since the 1880s. So it's like pretty spooky pretty phenomenon. Spooky. Yeah. There's a whole episode of unsolved mysteries about it. So. <laughs> <laughs> right <on. laughs> So we went and we went out there and then we went back to the hotel and we watched the Unsolved Mysteries episode, which was pretty, pretty fun. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So that was pretty spooky. How about you, Brian? How spooky was your week? Pretty spooky. You know, pretty, I, I, <laughs> I work in a movie theater right now. Um, and I, this theater, uh, got the chance to do an advanced screening of Guillermo del Toro's new Nightmare Alley. And uh, I got to see it. And he was there and Bradley Cooper was there for like five seconds. And it was like fucking rad. Wow. <laughs> um, was so jealous. <laughs> oh man. I, oh, so anyway, very cool. Uh, it, I, I'm excited for everybody to see it. It's, you know, dark noir. Cool. It, it's going to be really cool, but I won't spoil more about the movie. Uh, what, what else? I think that's it. <laughs> Actually <laughs> thinking about my pretty spooky week. I think I'm just really excited that I got to see Del Toro's new movie, you know? Um, oh, I did see a new Resident Evil movie too, which I thought was fun. Um, I'm a big fan of the game. So I thought the movie was more, you know, loyal to the games than the, all the other Resident Evil movies. So it was, it was a lot of fun to see. And yeah, it's been my spooky week. I think, well, like, that's pretty good. Martha Lights. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, <laughs> coffin pieces. Guillermo del Toro. We're doing good. <laughs> yeah, I think we're we're checking a lot of boxes. We're checking like. a lot of <laughs> solid spooky bouquet right there. <laughs> yeah, right, right. <laughs> well, before we jump in and talk to Sarah a little bit more about your art and other things, I'd love to just take a second to thank all of our supporters who support us because we're very grateful. We've got 19 of them now. 19. Hey. And these are... Jenny, Julia, Alessia, Nina, Karen, Kelsey, Connor, Jody, Wendy, Morgan, Sarah, Michelle, Mackie, Jennifer, Sarah, Aurelia, Aaron, and Holly. Thank you so much. I feel like I get like a groove halfway down the list and then I start going through it. (laughs) Thank you all very much. Love your support year round. Keeps us going. We are a year round spooky podcast. So love that you guys help us out. If you'd like to join this spooky coven of supporters, you can go to anchor.fm slash HHHS slash support um and doing so gets you into our book club at any level book club Woo! this oh. month we're reading krampus the yule lord by brahm very timely for the christmas season so i'm excited to read that and talk to you all about it on december 28th uh i think that that's about that's it anything else Corey? <laughs> yeah that's about it you just um if you want to join in on the book club it's super fun it's super laid back we have just a cool group of people that gets to hang out and chat about spooky books, keeps you on top of your reading, which is always great. And all you have to do is become a supporter at any level and then email us and be like, I want to be in the book club and we'll send you the Zoom link at the end of the month. It's pretty fun. And uh, yeah, we appreciate all of you who have have been a part of uh, of supporting our, our spooky endeavors. We love you. We appreciate you. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Thank you all so much. Can't wait to see you at the book club. And now let's just take a quick break. And then we're going to return and talk to Sarah Richard about her art and graveyard cleaning. I was very excited. <laughs> this episode is brought to you by FX's The Veil, starring Elizabeth Moss. 
Ethics is the Veil is an international spy thriller that follows two women as they play a deadly game of truth and lies on the road from Istanbul to Paris and London. One woman has a secret and the other has a mission to reveal it before thousands of lives are lost. FX is the Veil, now streaming only on Hulu. Welcome back. Happy Harvest Horror Show. This week, we have Sarah Richard joining us. Hi, Sarah. I'm very excited you're here. We're talking about your art and a really cool activity that I followed on your Instagram um, and briefly talked to you about it at Comic-Con, uh, Grave Tending. Um, yeah. For anyone that's not familiar with this, uh, what would you describe that being? Uh, yeah, just kind of taking care of some gravestones that need a little bit of love. You know, uh, a lot of these old stones are forgotten and whoever's buried there sometimes the only record they have left of them is kind of what's on that stone you know like town records sometimes get put in flooded basements or they just disappear or you know whatever so um yeah just like keeping keeping graves looking nice and and retaining that memory and those records and just you know giving some love to somebody who has otherwise been a little bit forgotten i guess yeah <laughs> I love that. Love I, that. I, I, how did you, how did you get into this? Was there like an inspiration that kind of tri- kicked this off or? Yeah. Uh, so my mom actually got into it first. Uh, she does a ton of genealogy. Um, it's just her hobby. Uh, she's found so many crazy cousins and distant relatives of ours. So we've kind of started just going to graveyards to find all our distant relatives there. And then it kind of started branching out from there. After we, you know, would be cleaning our relatives, we'd look over and be like, oh, but that guy needs some love over there too, (laughs) you know? So um, technically, like, we did take classes at uh, New Hampshire Old Graveyard Association. We did a workshop there. And my mom had had done a couple workshops before there, uh, before me. And um, so she learned all, like, the proper ways to clean a gravestone, what materials to use, what solutions to use, and uh, how to pretty much don't do more harm than good, which is why cleaning stones can get to be uh, a little tricky for people. Like you kind of have to go talk to the the graveyard trustee and, you know, make sure it's all okay. And technically you should only clean your relatives, just, you know, it's it's kind of an amorphous sort of thing, but. <laughs> gotcha. That was a question. Were, yeah. I, I yeah. Had is, is how, how involved. I go about like, doing it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is. We've heard distant stories of people getting in trouble with the cops thinking that they're being um, vandalizing a lot of the stones. But um, it's only because there are some ways that you think you're cleaning a stone and actually you are causing more harm than good. But yeah, Mm -hmm. so we learned from our our local um, graveyard association um, on the right ways to do it. And uh, yeah, so primarily we, we just stick to one cemetery right now because we know the lady that runs it and she's like you're doing us a favor you guys have fun <laughs> thank <laughs> you she lets us kind of do our thing so yeah it, and it's just I get to hang out with my mom we're you know cemetery nerds so <laughs> I love that that's so cool, cool. Yeah, yeah that's awesome is there do you know of like a larger community or like a lot of other people that do this kind of thing or is it very like sparse um, I, I follow a few Facebook groups of different, um, cemetery cleaning groups. And a lot of it is just people who kind of go do it on their own. Sort of, <laughs> you want to be, there's a lot of people kind of do it a little sneakily <laughs> because mm-hmm. you want to clean it, but it is so hard to get a hold of some of these people. And it's like, well, 
you know, it's going to save that stone over there. So maybe they won't mind if we just scrub it a little. Bit. <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there's Facebook groups. I try to, you know, recommend to people to talk to their historical society to see if there's anything in their town that might be able to connect them to the trustees or uh, maybe a family member that there's a stone that you see that needs some work. And if you can get a hold of like a distant relative and they go, yeah, sure, go for it. <laughs> That's always a good, a good plus to have. But yeah, it is, it is all over the country. There's, there's a bunch of people that do it. Um, and it's definitely been something I think because of TikTok has been a bit more popular lately because people are mm-hmm. doing gravestone cleaning TikToks and I've seen and been forwarded a lot of these, these videos too. And it's, it's awesome because it definitely needs to be done more often, you know? Yeah. There's a lot of interesting like graveyard, uh, like history accounts, yeah. I feel like on TikTok, which is really cool. It's a very interesting yeah, just like, I mean, cemeteries in general are just fascinating spaces, you know, totally, to yeah. to work with. I'm kind of curious about like, when I think about graveyards and like the difference in materials that have been used over time, like, is there like a certain, like the really, really old gravestones, the yeah. ones that are like, like, bar- like you can barely read the yeah. stuff on them. Like, are you able to work on stones like that? Or is that like... You know, is there a big difference between like the materials that were used like over time? Does that make sense? Oh, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let's see. So we try not to clean anything that looks like it's going to break apart with us cleaning it, which is a lot of like the slate stones here mm-hmm. in New England. We've got um, a lot of the really, really, really old slate stones, which hold detail really, really well. The thing is, though, is the way that stone is structured is um, vertical and not horizontal. So it has the possibility of a whole chunk of the face falling off because Mm. when water gets in there and over time with the expanding and contracting of water, it starts to push apart the layers of stone. So you always want to make sure that there's no risk of a whole chunk of the front falling off of a stone. If you just want to clean a little bit of lichen off of it. Right. right, Um, right. So we always kind of try to test to make sure, you know, it's a pretty solid piece of granite or sorry, slate granite's fine. Granite, you can do whatever you want to granite's pretty solid, but um yeah, so slate, we usually don't have too much more than just like some lichen that we want to clean off of it. And with lichen being a plant, it's got little roots in it and that tends to creep its way into stones and break it apart there too. So especially these stones under trees, you'll see a lot more lichen and plant debris and algae and stuff on there um, than ones that are kind of out in the field. So with the lichen too, we found that, you know, like the marble stones, like the, the white stones, um, which were really popular in like the Victorian times and, and through that, those guys can turn like gray, get tons of lichen on it. And they look great when you clean them. Uh, they turn back to bright white after a little while, not right away, but the solutions we use, uh, we use wet and forget and D2, which are approved uh, monument cleaning solutions. And they're all natural. They're um, an enzyme a sort of enzyme that kind of kills the lichen and kills the mold inside the stone. Mm-hmm. And over time uh, with like the, the elements, you leave a layer of wet and forget or D2 on there and it will whiten. So like the wind and the rain will help clean the stone, but marble stones are especially the really old ones. And depending on what kind of marble, basically like compacted sugar. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so okay. you can only really clean a marble stone once every 10 years. Mm. Um, so you don't want to overclean those guys cause you will start to kind of affect some of the engravings and some of the art that's been carved into it. So there's, there's one, um, in Francistown, New Hampshire, that was like 
I didn't want to touch it for the longest time because it was this gorgeous Victorian stone with all these flower engravings in it. Um, but, uh, you know, it was starting to look a little, eh, you know, like the lichen was starting to creep in there and everything. And, and so when we went up to it, we touched it and you could basically in all the flowers was like a salt cellar. Like it was just crumbled marble was starting to come off of the flowers. So we used our gentlest brushes. We really didn't scrub it at all. We just put the solution on, which sinks in and then slowly seeps out all the the algae and stuff, which turns orange and it looks really bad for a little bit. But once that comes out, then it starts to whiten up and then it looks brand new sometimes minus, you know, kind of the eroded artwork on there. Um, but yeah, it, it really, oh, and then it had a top piece and a little urn on the top that was super wiggly. So it was like the, the scariest stone I've ever cleaned <laughs> and I'm short and it was tall. And so that was, my thing too. but, um, but yeah, we, you know, like we talked to the, the trustee and everything and she, she trusts us. And so we cleaned it. It looks amazing. I think it's on the graveside ladies, uh, which is what me and my mom, we call our little group, I guess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> our duo. Um, it should be on that Instagram. So like a before and after, um, which I think is the best part, you know, that seeing the before like grungy stone and after seeing like, this is what it must've looked like when it was brand new mm-hmm. um, is really, mm-hmm. really cool. Yeah, like sandstone, and there's a whole bunch of other materials in there too. But like granite's pretty solid, especially some of the new stones. But like I said, the rule is kind of just make sure the stone is secure, isn't tipping too far. Um, because yeah, cleaning is is important, but it's not more important than accidentally breaking apart <laughs> a price. Yeah, for right, like right, irreplaceable right. stone. So yeah, I'm curious on the, on how you select which gravestone to clean. Is it is yeah. it um. You mentioned all the different, you know, types of stone and what's mm-hmm. available to clean. Is that more in play versus like, do you do like research on the person or do you like seek out a certain like Henry Thomas from, I don't know, picking a name, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's really funny. Cause it's like, it's either my mom will be, my mom is a huge find a grave, like scroller. So she'll just go through and see see if there's a picture of a stone that looks terrible. And she'll be like, I can make that look better. So she'll go clean it or we'll clean it and then she'll repost a picture. So it's like a nice representation of that stone, uh, you know, archived and find a grave. Um, or yeah, she'll do some genealogy and be like, Oh, here's a cousin we never knew we had way up in the top of New Hampshire. So we'll take a little trip or something and maybe just spray it and just kind of move debris and make it look nice. Um, but sometimes it's just like a feeling it's weird. Um, there's been a few stones that I feel like I need to take care of. There's, there's one in Francistown um, and it's the Eatons. It's uh, this couple that died in like 1870, 72, 73, I think. Mm-hmm. And I think we looked into, uh, into them on ancestry and they both died of, I think tuberculosis or, or, or cholera or something. There was something going through um, the area at the time. And every time I'd walk by the stone, it was just like, Oh, it could look so good. It could look so nice. I feel like I need to clean the stone. And so we did. And every time we go to the gravestone or gra- to the, to the cemetery, it's like, I have to go say, say hi to the Eatons, you know? So you'll be across the, the, the way and just be like, hi, Eatons, how you doing? And you, they glow, you know, it's just such a nice white stone right now that you can see forever. And I don't know, it was just like, it felt like it needed to, to be done. And there's certain stones where you're, it's like, one of the little kid stones with the little lambs on top of it. We try to clean those up, especially if they, you know, don't have their parents buried near them. It's just certain, certain stones that 
you know, nobody's come to see them because, mm-hmm. you know, either it's just a kid off in their own plot or an unmarried husband or yeah, that doesn't make any sense. Unmarried <laughs> a guy or girl, you know, like we'll, we'll do some research into it. And it's like, oh, well, they don't really have anybody in the area, you know, just based on their family tree. So we'll kind of go prioritize them as well. So yeah, it's kind of all over the board, I guess. <laughs> I love that. That's, I, yeah. I don't know. That's just so like, so sentimental and sweet and nice and yeah. just, a, yeah, a nice way to honor those who have passed on. It's very, totally. very cool. Yeah. And cause some of them say perpetual care on them and it's like, nope, <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> they look like they need some help for the last 40 years, you know? So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and they do get such like a good feeling after doing it too. There's been a few times where like, I don't know. You just get like a boost walking away from a stone that you've cleaned. Some of them you, you don't really feel too much, but uh, there's been a few where it's like, oh, you're welcome. <laughs> you <know? laughs> yeah, I love that. Yeah. You mentioned you, you, you stick to one cemetery is where you kind of focus it. Do you have a favorite cemetery that you, or is that your favorite cemetery that you like to visit? Yeah. I mean, I guess because we have worked in that one so much, it is one of my favorites. And like, I do know those stones really well because we've just been there so much. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm really hoping I did a little bit of, I guess, technically consulting work with Charter Street Cemetery in Salem, uh, talking to the woman who's uh, kind of in charge of the visitor center. So I would love to help get some of the lichen off of those stones in Salem. And I used to walk through there all the time. So, because uh, be it's right next to the, yeah, it's, it's you know, the cemetery in the middle of Salem. It's the mm-hmm. super old one. It's got um, Samuel McIntyre in there. And I, I used to live in the McIntyre district. So uh, there's that. There's, um, yeah, it's it, it would just be really cool to kind of have a full circle thing. <laughs> Plus, it's yeah. next to the Witch Trial Memorial. And I've been there a whole bunch. My mom, again, with all the genealogy, found that we're related to Margaret Scott. Uh, who is one of the witch trial victims. So she's like my 11th great grandmother, I think. So it would be kind of wow. neat to go, you know, clean stones in there and go say, Hey to grandma, which I used to do anyway, coming back from karaoke. Back late at night. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah. I just love that area anyway. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, any, any cemetery really the spookier, the better too. <laughs> like I would love to just hang out and just clean some stones in there. Yeah. Yeah, cause I love because I know it, I haven't been up there this last year, but the Sleepy Hollow Cemetery. Mm. Um, I need to go. I've never been before. Surprisingly, it's gorgeous. I I yeah. love cemeteries with like you know hills and lay you know, and they're just like filled. Um, yes. And I think that's that's what my, definitely yeah. check out next time you're in Salem. Uh, the old burial hill in Marblehead. It's I think the cemetery that they did film in Hocus Pocus, but it is so cool. It's up on this huge hill. You can see the ocean and it's just like really, really old slate stones and just like this cute, weird, little spooky area. Um, I love it. It's very cool. It's on the list. That sounds amazing. Yeah. yeah. Like a graveyard with an ocean view is yeah, like my ideal, <laughs> my ideal spot. That's my dream Zillow listing. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's the. <laughs> <laughs> for real, for real. <laughs> yeah. And like in New Boston, my hometown, in, which is a town over from Francistown, uh, we're still working on trying to get permission from the trustees there, which has been ridiculous. But anyway, <laughs> there is a very nice hill and you can just see like miles into New Hampshire and there's beautiful like white bronze stones up there, which are like the metal ones, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, in the 1920s, they thought were a really good idea and would be 
forever stones. They actually start to pull apart at the uh, the seams, but they are very pretty. Anyway, <laughs> but there is a very pretty like um, view from the top of there. And me and my mom will go there just to walk around and be like, oh, that'd, that'd be a nice spot. So I think her and my dad are actually looking for a spot up there too. And it's like, that would be pretty, pretty cool. I wouldn't mind, uh, wouldn't mind coming to take care of you guys after around in this area. So. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. Well, when, uh, when uh, Corey and I finally do make it back to Salem for mm. the, we're going to have to check out Ocean sure, View. Yeah, old, old Burial Hill. It's yeah. super cool. And then like Salem does have um, uh, a couple other graveyards outside the center of town. Um, totally blanking on their name right now, but they're these big, beautiful Victorian cemetery parks. Like there's, bridges and little ponds in them and i used to go running through one of them all the time uh, and the other one just to kind of sit and draw as well so i'm totally blanking on their name right now because my brain is goop so <laughs> <laughs> i love it i love thank you so much for and, and this you mentioned yeah. drawing that's a great segue because to another <laughs> big part of your life you're an artist yes, yes. Uh, and not just an art, you're, you're an Eisner nominated artist. Yeah. Yeah. So how did you get into drawing comics? Your, what's your really cool trajectory to now drawing mostly ghostly, you know, graveyard stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I guess uh, right out of college, I got a job at Hasbro um, as a sculptor. So I did that for a couple of years. I was draw- or sculpting with wax. So it was before they kind of got into all the 3D uh, computer sculpting. So I was using like jeweler's wax, like little heat pens, like scalpels, like dental tools and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, and so at that point, my goals were to work on gem and Jurassic Park and never got to work on gem at Hasbro and Jurassic Park. I did technically get to work on and then they canceled all the figures I worked on. No! <laughs> oh no. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and now Mattel owns it. So there's no way they'll ever come out. So I was super, super bummed about that. Um, but did a few years at Hasbro. It was really cool. Then I ended up getting super corporate and not cool. And I started doing like more comic illustration. Like I was super into X-Men. So I would draw, you know, a ton of X-Men characters, but I also really liked Art Nouveau and like, I'm kind of an art history nerd in that specific time period. So I was like seeing all these comic pieces and I'm like, well, I kind of want to do, you know, like if a bunch of Art Nouveau lines came together and made Nightcrawler or something mm-hmm. or Gambit. So like those were a couple of my super early ones that I did at a free comic book day at Double Midnight Comic in Manchester, which I owe those guys basically my career with IDW anyway. <laughs> um, so did a free comic book day thing there. I met my rep who's um, Bob at Comic Art House. So he's he, he represents a bunch of comic artists. He gave me a shot, which is crazy because everybody else was like yeah this is nice and everything but this doesn't look like comic book stuff Mm -hmm. so yeah that was god that's gotta been 10 years ago now um but yeah I started doing conventions and kind of figuring out my style a little bit and it's just been kind of moving warping around since then um but then I got to work (laughs) with my little pony for about seven years So everything was really bright and colorful and, and great and, and everything. But um but I'd always like would kind of put this spooky like little tint to everything. Like some of the pony comics I've got like little pony skulls hidden in there and like I yes. a few of them scary. <laughs> and so uh I'm surprised that they let me get away with honestly on some of those. I think I did like a um a shining reference for one of my last covers or I don't know. I was, I was starting to get a little burnt out by issue or by cover number like 80 or so. Like I did a lot of them and sure, then sure. I was really wanting to get into more horror stuff. Like I've always loved horror. I've always loved spooky things. 
And uh, My Little Pony's not really that. So (laughs) um, finally, they're like, we're going to be switching around artists. And it was kind of like when um, when someone you want to break up with breaks up with you first and you're like, oh, darn, guess it's going to be. Yeah, I did a few comics with um, little interior comics with uh, uh, John Carpenter's Tales for Halloween Night uh, a few years ago. And that's kind of what really started me getting more into horror stuff. And, and I kind of knew I had to start from scratch because I did have such a huge body of work that was very bright colored Lisa Frankie palettes, my little pony, lots mm-hmm. of kid related stuff. Um, but I did have, you know, the tales for Halloween night. I did have my, my book that I did with my friend Franco, um, the ghost, the owl, which, you know, he let me pretty much do whatever I want. He's like, here's my story. Here's some ideas for pages. And so I got to like, really just pour everything into this comic. I, there's like a postmortem photograph that I put in there. There's like, I don't know if I put a coffin plate in that one, but a lot of, a lot of spooky stuff that I got to kind of sneak into that one. Not really sneak. Cause he, he said, go for it. But <laughs> mm-hmm. so I was finally starting to tiptoe back into like some horror stuff. And I just made my heart so much happy, happier, you know? And, uh, but I always really liked kind of the Victorian memento mori kind of, uh, look of horror stuff too like I like scary but I like like sweet spooky too mm-hmm. you know so I would I would kind of like the horror stuff but make it kind of sweet like you know somebody's yeah. a spooky ghost but they can't help it you know yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. their face is falling off they mean well you know <laughs> or no, like, I was, yeah I have your I have your um your pin that I got um, oh, yeah. when we met you in Salem. That's the the rabbit in the bat. Yeah, yeah. Like touching, like yeah. and it's so it's yeah, it's like yeah, like my ideal aesthetic, like yeah. the kind of spooky but cute and sweet, yeah. like it's, mixed it's spooky together. With a purpose, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Like a, you know, so it's not spooky for spooky sake. It's like here's a, a situation that could be spooky, but if you kind of give it a shot, it's actually very nice you know <laughs> which is like all the victorian the mor- morning stuff it's all spooky i guess mm-hmm. if you look at it but it's like somebody went out of their way to braid this hair into a brooch or create this drawing with their names on the on the gravestone so it's just like it had a purpose even though yeah it was- it's all very the victorian stuff's all very sentimental yeah absolutely yeah, yeah totally Definitely. so um but yeah so that's kind of what i'm i'm trying to go for now is is more horror stuff you know, with like kind of that memorial, kind of that sweetness to it, I guess. Um, but I still love me some like real horror for just horror sake stuff too. Um, I, I did a project. Yeah. Yeah. I just, I just did a, a five pager. I don't even know if I can talk about it, but it's a real good horror writer's name attached to it. Um, <laughs> which I want to say, but I don't know if I can. Um, and then there's a DC <laughs> thing that I want to say, but I can't, but anyway, so, um, there's going to be more horror stuff coming out soon. But then, yeah, I, 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 uh, for my sort of quarantine therapy project, um, I made um, a book called The Dead Handbook. And uh, it's all very funerary history, memento mori, same thing. Like some of the stories are spooky, but it has kind of a sweet history to each each little story. So it's a collection of short ghost stories um, in each one of the you know, the little tales are like told on a gravestone. So it's very Edward Gorey ish, um, scary stories to tell in the dark ish, mm-hmm. which were two of my hugest inspirations growing up. Um, as a kid, I, I love those books. And, um, so yeah, that's, that's my newest thing. Just waiting 
for us yeah. to be not stuck in shipping right now. <laughs> so, um, I mean, I bet that's everybody right now, yeah, but also yeah. it's it, the new dead handbook from the pages that I've been able to see. If there are any Kindle readers out there. Yeah, it is available it's on Kindle. Kindle. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it looks like a beautiful merge of, you know, sweet and spooky. Like the, there was just one little story that I saw the preview of, of, uh, uh, anything that falls out of a pocket will grow and chase yeah. you out. And then someone yeah, yeah. drops a tooth. And so yeah, <laughs> someone... it goes into a giant tooth and chases you around. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like I really like open-ended kind of stories. Like, so that's where kind of the Edward Gorey. Yeah, exactly. From, because uh, the West Wing by Edward Gorey is one of my favorite books and there's no words to it. He just gives you an illustration of a room and you kind of have to make up the story yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of what I wanted to do is like, just give a few sentences leave it really open-ended so that it's, you know, the reader kind of comes up with their own situation because it really isn't our imagination, like the scariest thing, you know, like you could tell someone a story and they'd be like, well, that's spooky. But if you let somebody's own imagination run, you can scare them by proxy. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. And then the other, the other reason I wanted to do that too is so some of the stories I've dated, um, you know, from like 1600s to like 1920s and each is a little vignette, but um, the ones that I dated before 1800s have like what the gravestones have for um, like the weird S's that look like F's and then the Y E for the, so like a lot of the stories are written, like they would be written on an old gravestone. Mm -hmm. So kind of just a sort of, help people practice reading old gravestones in a story, I guess, you know, so maybe you can appreciate like old new England stones or old stones that have all the, the old timey writing on them. Yeah. Um, sort of, sort of that way. Yeah, I noticed uh, that when I was reading them too, I, I saw that the, the, the S's were kind of swapped or, or you know, they yeah. looked different and it was, it was kind of cool. Once I like, Oh, these are S's and my brain yeah, just like replaced it all, you know, <laughs> That's what I was worried about. I'm like, well, I'm used to reading this stuff, but it, do I put a key in there? But it's like, no, man, if you go to a gravestone or a, to a cemetery, they're not going to have like a glossary or yeah. like a key for you to read. So mm-hmm. you can figure them out. So I thought that would just be an extra little layer of, uh, to it. Yeah. yeah, no, I appreciate it. It was cool. Yeah, well, right on. Uh, and not only that handbook, I, mean, I love, I want to talk about spooky all the time, but you also did like a Greek mythology art book, right? Yeah, yeah. So I did um, a book with uh, Liv Albert, who does a podcast called Let's Talk About Myths, Baby. It's uh, really. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. She's rad. She's awesome. Um, so yeah, she wrote the book. It's a really good overview of, of Greek mythology. Um, and uh, she super lays into Theseus, which is great because he's a dick. So <laughs> I mean, they're all kind of jerks. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it was really fun. It was my first project with um, Adams Media, which is an imprint of Simon and Schuster. So it was kind of like my first big girl <laughs> book illustration project, I guess, like, which is what I've been trying to work towards um, to do more illustration stuff. Cause I love comics, but I've always really liked the single illustration as mm-hmm. well. Interiors for me are, are really hard to do. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was really cool. I got to illustrate a few of the, the Greek gods in that. And then we worked on a uh, cocktail version of that, which will be out in February. So it'll be called Nectar of the Gods and it'll be Greek mythology cocktails. So it'll be oh, like, fun. oh, I love that. So it'll be great. <laughs> so I got to design a lot of like drinkware that kind of looks like Greek Kylixes and and all the different cups like if they could be made out of glass i guess because you know some of the cocktails are bright pink and you would never see those behind clay so i'm like well can i have a little bit of freedom with making the set of drinkware i guess yeah yeah go for it so that one will be pretty cool um and now i'm working on one that's uh it'll be women of mythology so it'll be like 
like Aztec, African, Japanese, Chinese, Thai, all sorts of myths, myths from everywhere. Um, but like women, heroes, goddesses, and, and figures in that too. So that'll be really yeah. fun. Yeah. That's so exciting. Super Thanks. cool. Yeah. I love mythology. Like it, it's been definitely another dream project where, you know, I, I've, I did a few pieces. It's like a Inumi Bozu. It's like a giant Japanese sea spirit that it looks like a giant gimp suit <laughs> kind of nice. going after a ship. Um, and then I did another Greek goddess uh, with a bunch of like giant sea monsters. So I've always really liked like mythology and mm-hmm. I've got this idea for an Anubis one. I really want to do too, with like a brain mm-hmm. hook and everything. It'd be pretty cool. Anubis so, would be really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So it's, it's just cool. Cause it lends itself to so much interpretation. As long as you get some of the key points to whatever God goddess or whatever it is, it is, it is pretty fun to put your own spin on stuff, I guess. So, oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I got, I, that Japanese one was the first print that I bought from you too. Oh, that thanks, was, man. I was like, Oh man, this is fucking rad. This is so Thank cool. you. Um, yeah, I just love doing the research on it. So I was like, well, it can either look like this giant shadow person or it looks like Diglett from Pokemon. So, <laughs> which is also <laughs> equally terrifying for some of those old ink plot or the um, Japanese illustrations. They're also nightmare fuel. <laughs> so we love nightmare fuel here. We're <laughs> we're all about it. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of nightmare fuel, there is like a the like flock of crows and they're huge. Awesome. Like circling my car right now. <laughs> <laughs> it just means it's going well, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, right. right? That's it. <laughs> Hell yeah. Well, Sarah, where if our audience members are like us and think, wow, this art sounds fucking rad, where can they find you? Yeah. Uh, so sararichard.com, it's uh, S-A-R-A-R-I-C-H-A-R-D.com uh, has uh, links to my store, um, some stuff on gallery 1988 that I do, um, as well. I think I have a link on there. If not, you can go to gallery 1988 and it's more of like my pop culture, um, uh, originals and some prints there. It's a really cool gallery in LA that does a lot of like cult movie group shows or like 20 year anniversary ones, which is what they have right now. So I did a Jurassic park three one for them that I'm super Mm. excited about because dinosaurs, um, but yeah, so there's that. Uh, there's links on my website, though, to like my Instagram, Twitter, uh, and Facebook. But I think I use Instagram probably the most out of out of all those, which is just Sarah Richard Art. Um, and then there's links from that to uh, the Graveside Ladies, which is the gravestone cleaning that my mom and I do. And there should be a link down in the little highlights of my comic called The Wicklow Skulls. It's about two little skulls in love on a hillside in Ireland, (laughs) Um, which I swear I'll get back to working on. It says short hiatus back in June, but like, (laughs) I've, I want to keep it like a a pleasure project. I don't want to make it ever feel like work. So once I get caught up on some deadlines, I'm going to try to get back to that and um, collect it into a book. I was talking to a publisher at Emerald city comic con about it. So hopefully that will be in book form eventually. (laughs) Hope so. Yeah. Yeah. So just like a sweet kind of like death positive kind of, kind of deal the comic that's based on a Hozier song so (laughs) oh my god yes (laughs) (laughs) oh yes (laughs) and uh that in a week song which is one of the yes i knew i knew that was gonna be it i knew it was gonna be in a week yes i love that song song. yeah and and so i'm like oh someday if this is ever animated this will be the theme song to it or whatever um but yeah it's it's kind of i would listen to that song over and over and over again and the idea of like all right well about these two little skulls if they could talk to each other you know what would they be doing up there and it would be very sweet i think if you know, there is one that does go into like, here are these two people that decayed, 
you know, and they're mm-hmm. through like all the kind of gross, like their hands are clasped and you can see it like the skin getting all sloppy and gross and then back into to, to skeletonized. And it's just like at the end, they're like, I'm really glad I got to go through this with you. And I just oh. always thought that would be, oh, you know, man. <laughs> no, the, <laughs> yeah, the con, like the concept of, yeah, of just that song and like the idea mm-hmm. of just like decomposing into yeah. the earth with yeah. someone is like the most romantic thing I can imagine. Right. right. <laughs> just like, um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh, that's what that's all, that's all based on. And, and I feel really bad because I left it off on this, this part where I have so many ideas for it and it just got too crazy with deadlines and like COVID stress and stuff. So I just, I want to be in a clear headspace when I get back to it. And mm-hmm. Someday when I can go to the Wicklow Mountains in Ireland and just like I don't know, lay there for <laughs> yeah hours and see what happens. Yeah, yeah just disintegrate into the yeah. soil. Yeah, absolutely yeah. disintegrate into the soil. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. yeah. I love it. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for hanging out and talking with us um, about sure. your work today. Corey, do you have any any final notes or? Um, I just, yeah, thank you so much for being here. You have like such a just impressive body of work. Like you have, you have made so many really cool things. It's super impressive. And, um, yeah, just really grateful that you took the time to come and chat with us and, um, and that you make cool, spooky things for us all to enjoy. Forever grateful. Oh yeah. Thanks guys. (laughs) Well, uh, Rad, well, we can we wrap up? We are the Happy Harvest Horror Show. This has been Sarah Richard, and we will catch you all next time. Yeah, thanks for listening, everyone. Thanks again, Sarah, and uh, we'll see you. We'll see you when we see you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>